Well, happy Easter and Resurrection Sunday to you. It's good to be with family on this day, isn't it? Come on, our church family. Isn't it good to be in his house today and to celebrate what he did for us? He's so good and his love is so great. In fact, that's just what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes today. Is I want to talk to you about the greatest love story that's ever been told. Jesus Christ is the greatest love story that's ever been told. Since the beginning of time, God loved his creation so much. In fact, even before time began, and this is outside of our understanding, we can't understand this, but God loved us before we even were. Only God can understand a statement like that, but that's what the word says. The Bible actually says that Jesus was actually even preordained before time even began. Even before you ever even thought to sin against God and to deny him, Jesus' love was already, it was already in the works. It was already in nature. In fact, God said, you know, that we are without excuse to acknowledge him just because we can actually look at creation. God had already been painting a picture of his love and of his grace and of his mercy, even before Christ, just in everything he made and everything he does points to his love and it all points to Jesus. The Bible says a very simple verse, one you may know, in the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16, it says, for this is how God loved the world. You may know it as, for God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. What an amazing God we have. What an amazing God that he loved us so much that he gave his one and only son for us. I don't think we fully get the concept, and um, I do want to play a video uh, at the end of the service, uh, a small allegory to describe this, but what an amazing thing that God did for us, that he gave his one and only son for us. The Bible says that uh, a good man, a righteous man, uh, may, may give his life, right? May give his life for a good person. But the amazing picture of God and his love is that he didn't die for good people. Let's just raise our hands together. I'm not good. <laughs> he died for sinners. Isn't that amazing? A righteous man may die for a good man. Right? If the cause is good enough, if the cause is great enough, if the person has done enough, if that person is worth living in my life, if I could sacrifice my life so that that person could live, I'm going to think about it. But Jesus died, the Bible says, in Romans chapter 5, verse 6. Romans 5, verse 6 says, When we were utterly helpless, everybody say utterly helpless. 
when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. It's important to acknowledge what Jesus said. He said, if you don't realize, in in many ways, he said it actually, I'm thinking of about five different verses at once, the way my brain works. But he basically said, if you don't think you have sin, right there is sin. Let's just sum it up with that. That we are all sinners. It says in Romans, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned. We are all sinners and we all need the love and grace of Jesus Christ. But it says that God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So Jesus paid the price and we have the picture of him on the cross. Do you realize that in our humanity, if we were to go to a cross for God, we would expect, okay, I'm willing to lay down my life. I'll get nailed to a cross for a good cause, Lord, for someone else. I'll do it. And then at that moment, we would expect, you know, God's grace and his mercy to be felt and to be spoken and to be understood, right? We, as in our humanity, would want some sort of relief. Okay, God, I did what you asked me to do now. Now give me some comfort. And the Bible tells us that when Jesus was put on the cross, that nobody looked up to him and said, he did it. I can't believe he did it. He did it for us. Do you know what they were doing while he was on the cross? They were still, even in that moment, even though he had got on the cross for them. Remember, Jesus said, forgive them. While he's on the cross, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they're doing because they're down there. In fact, they're gambling for his garment. They're mocking him. They're telling him, Jesus, if you are truly who you say you are, then get yourself off that cross. And then they began to mock him and said, he can't do it. Look, he can't do it. And Jesus stayed. You know, we know he had the power to get off that cross. Do you know that he had the power? Right? He said to Pilate, nobody's going to put me on that cross. I'm going willingly. The devil's not crucifying me. The Romans aren't crucifying me. The Jews are not crucifying me today. God the Father is actually crucifying me in your place, Pilate. Jesus went to the cross willingly. He did it out of love. It was a love story that God had for people. And he did it while we mocked him. Whoever used the Lord's name in vain, who'd be willing to raise your hand and lower your pride and say you used the Lord's name in vain? Imagine Jesus going to the cross to truly understand the picture of what he did to die on the cross. He was the sinless, spotless lamb. 
He was without sin, and yet he got on that cross not for his own sin. He did not get on that cross to become a king. He was already king, and he had lowered himself. He had humbled himself and became a man and lived in our realm as humanity to go through what we go through, to face the circumstances of life around him like we have to, and yet stayed without sin, and then died the most horrible sinner's death. You know why his death was so horrible? Does anybody know why it was so brutal? Do you know the Bible actually tells us that his, that his death was so brutal that by the time that we got done with him, you know it's we got done with him, right? Because we are right there with humanity. And I thank Jesus, the only reason that we're on the other side and saying, no, 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 Lord, not me, but it was you. You're only saying not me because Jesus did a work in you. But before he did that work in you, you were right there with them, crucifying him. But do you know why he was so marred and so disfigured and so brutally murdered? Because Jesus... Is his punishment needed to be harsh enough that it would cover even the atrocities that a human being could commit in the earth against another human being and against God. His death needed to be equal to even the worst war crimes. His death needed to be equal to the absolute worst, most disgusting thing that you could imagine. And then you would say, I want that person tortured. I want them whipped until they can't breathe. I want their lungs being exposed. I want blood and fluids from their body so that they're choking on their own fluids. And then I want you to nail that person to a cross as punishment for the atrocities that they cause. And so Jesus said, I will pay that price for even the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. And even though they may never, ever receive my love for them, I will do it anyway. What an amazing love that God has showered on us, his creation. He did not create us and then leave us. Everybody wants to question God. Everybody wants to try to figure God out. Everybody says, well, I'm not going to serve a God like this. I don't like a God like that. This is what I think God is. This is what I think God is. God is this. God is that. Jesus is this. Jesus is that. And the whole world is trying to mishmash it all together. And the, the truth is... That God created you to know you. God created humanity to have companionship with us. And we rebelled from him right off the bat. And he is God. He could do whatever he wanted. He could have squashed us right then and there and said, you know what? I tried to create a, a, an entity, a, a, something like me that could reason and think and decide out of choice to want to be with me and to love me. And when we didn't want that, God could have just ended it right then and there. God could have just crushed us. Is everybody aware that God is still God? That he didn't have to love us. Do you realize he didn't have to, but he, he can't help it. It's in his nature. Do you know Satan is hate, but the Bible says that God is love. It's the very DNA of his nature. He can't help it. In fact, God is God, but, and this is going to mess with your mind, but he couldn't help it even though he's God. Can God help it? I know, come on. 
but it's because his nature, it says the Bible tells us, come on, we know the word, right? God is love. His love was so great, he couldn't help it. He could have because he's God. And again, your mind's not going to get this. Your spirit mind has to get this. Is there your spirit mind getting it? That God is God. But he, his nature is love that he had to do it. It cost him something. Do you realize the price that it cost him? Who here is willing for your brothers and sisters, right? We're brothers and sisters in this congregation. Who's willing to take your firstborn and lay them down for someone else in this room? No, I don't see any hands raised. And I'm not judging you, neither is the Lord. That's the point. It's a heavy, heavy cost. And we don't realize we're talking about God. We're talking about God who, who not only gave his only son and let us abuse him in such a way that is just, how I've, I've preached it before on other Easter's and I don't want to go into all the details, but you can go watch The Passion if you want to see the story in an abridged version. That's really the abridged version. The long, imagine the hours and hours, right? We're cramming it into a small film. Imagine the hours and hours of agony for us. Besides the mental and spiritual weights that Jesus was carrying. The Bible tells us that the weight was so heavy on him that, and, and science has now actually caught up with the Bible. You know science catches up with the Bible, right? You know the Bible's always been truth. It's always been life, Right? I remember hearing that, uh, you know, we used to use leeches, right? Remember, 1700s and so on. Even George Washington, they say, maybe died because we put too many leeches on him. We bled him to death. But the Bible says that life's in the blood. You see, the Bible has always been truth. It's always been right. And the Bible tells us another truth that science didn't even catch up with, but now it has that Jesus was in such agony, he was in such stress, he was, had such weight, I mean, before the whips, before the abuse, he had been with his disciples, he had just spent a meal with them, he had, it was in the garden and he was praying, but the weight of carrying every single human sin, you have to realize he's carrying child molester sins. We're not just talking about liars and thieves, right? We can get our heads around that, but child molesters, we can't get our heads around that. What about sex slave trade? Can we get our heads around that? He's carrying, he was carrying Hitler's sin. I know that it's beyond our comprehension. He was carrying, and, every, and any single one of them in genuine repentance could receive what Jesus did on that cross. And he was carrying that, and the Bible says, and science has, has proved that this, this can happen, that his stress had hit a level where his blood vessels, they start popping, and he started bleeding out through his sweat pores. What an amazing love that God gave to us. Do we understand it? In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians that he prayed, Paul's praying, I, I pray that you would get love. Because if you can get love, if you can understand the love of Jesus, then, then everything else just makes more sense. Once you understand who Jesus is and the price he paid, this life becomes very small. Your issues become very small. The problems we carry around become very small. 
The love of Jesus Christ is so immense, so incredible. It's not, I'm going to do my best in these next minutes to describe it to you, but it's not even possible for me to explain it. I could talk till I die and I will never, ever be able to express his love for you. The Bible says that God, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, He showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. And verse 10 says, This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Jesus tells us in the book of John, chapter 15, verse 13, there is no greater love. Everybody say, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus was sitting with the disciples and he was actually describing to them and they weren't getting it. And they still didn't get it even at the cross, not even until the resurrection was done and completed. And I want to look at some of these verses. And, and even after many, many um, appearances from Jesus, did they fully get what he was describing here, that it was going to be his own life, that he was going to lay down his life for them. And he said in verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. Verse 15, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. You are my friends. Jesus called them friends and he was willing to lay down his life for them, which the Bible tells us here is the greatest love. And uh, what an amazing work that Jesus did for the worst of sinners. You know what we need to understand is what we do is we gauge. You know why I went down the, the road for a few minutes there and told you some of the Sins that we just can't get our head around, the child molesters, right? Sex slave trade that's going on today. These things we can't get our heads around that how could, how could Jesus forgive those people? But do you know what we need to realize as people is that their sin is no different than your sin. Did you know that the Bible it does not actually have a list of sins in categorical order. Did you know that there is no greater and lesser? Do you know what sin is? All that sin is, is very simple, is I don't want to do it your way. I just want to do things my way. He had it wrong, right? The old singer, my way. I'll have it my way. Our way gets us in trouble. And it's so simple. It leads us away from God. That's it. Anytime we decide to do our thing over his way, we're already heading in the same exact direction Right, we have the picture. We have this incredible picture. Jesus gives us, he said, let's just make it plain. I'm just going to make it clear. 
We've got a really religious guy who thinks that he's got it all together and he's praying. And we got a sinner right next to him and he's beating his chest. He's aware of his sin. This guy thinks he's righteous. Jesus gives us the picture that the person who thinks that they've got it all together, the person who thinks they're righteous, they're going to miss me. They're not going to be able to receive me. This person here will be able to receive me because they understand that, that every single human being is a sinner without Jesus. And that the only answer is through, because of my love, through my blood on the cross, through your repentance of sins, that you receive that love and grace and mercy that you will have anything, first of all, in, in eternity, but secondly, on this earth. We are nothing and no one without receiving that. And what we need to realize is, is that we are all like each other. There is no one greater. There is no one lesser. In fact, G, the Bible says that there is, God doesn't favor anyone. He doesn't, he's got no favorite person. John calls himself the one who Jesus loved, but that was John's title for himself. And Jesus did love him. He wasn't inaccurate. It just really, all of them could have said, I'm also the one he loved. Hey, Peter here, the one who Jesus also loved, John. But he did love them equally, and he loves us equally. They all had sin equally as we have sin equally. And the only answer is Jesus continually. There is nothing. There is no one else. But many times Jesus needs to remind us of his love. And just for the next couple minutes, I want you to remember one of my favorite characters in the whole Bible. And his name is Peter. Peter really got to encounter the love of Jesus intimately. As I said, John said, I'm the one who Jesus loved, but Peter really went through some things with Jesus, didn't he? It almost seems like Jesus is harsh with him sometimes too. But you know what Jesus was dealing with? Jesus was just dealing with the, 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 the thing inside him. Come on, Peter wasn't a murderer. He wasn't a, he wasn't a gross sinner. We have no account really of any sin that he ever committed. It seems like he's actually pretty committed to Jesus. But you know what he has inside of him is his will. It's his own will. And you know, Jesus is so jealous for you. His love is so great for you that he will crush that will on purpose so that you can see who you are, which is a gift. Do you know sometimes we have to go through things to really see who we are? Sometimes we get surprised by what comes out of us, <laughs> the things we say and the things we do. And you know, Peter was just like that. The Bible tells us, come on, who knows the story? The Bible tells us that Jesus sat down for a meal with his disciples. And we'll just look at it here in the book of Luke. And you can find that in the other gospels as well. But in the book of Luke chapter 22, Verse 14 says, the time came and Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table and he said, I've been very eager, verse 15, 
to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins, for I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks for it. And then he has this communion with them, which we're going to have communion in, in just a few moments. But he has this communion with them. And then it says, it says that he's sitting there and he's talking with them. And it's in Matthew as well. And I just want to pull up the Luke passage here, though. It says in verse... Um, the verse... I'm sorry. This is when you have too much. I put in the Matthew, I put the Mark, I put the Luke. And I say, okay, Holy Spirit, you direct it. <laughs> verse 31, chapter 22. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you each like wheat. He says, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Simon Peter sifted like wheat? Why would Satan have the right to sift Peter? This is Peter. He says, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, isn't that amazing? This is the picture. Do you know Jesus? The Bible tells us in Hebrews that even today, Jesus is still pleading for you from his throne. Tells us in Hebrews that he's interceding. Do you know that? The Bible actually gives us the picture that he is the perfect high priest. That there is no need for the priest in the person anymore because Jesus has fulfilled it. He is the Jewish high priest now fulfilled and he is interceding on our behalf with his own blood, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 7. And here he is with Peter. He says, I prayed for you. I've been pleading for you. He says that your faith should not fail. And look at this. Look at what Jesus said. So when you have repented and turn to me again. Peter? Peter? He said, then I want you to strengthen your brothers. But Peter said, Lord. Everybody say, Lord. When we come to him, we say, Lord, take my life. Who has said something like this to Jesus? He said the right thing, but Jesus needs to make it for real inside you for your own sake. Satan is seeking to sift. You know that death, that's what Passover is, and I just want to describe this picture to you that death is trying to get you <laughs> from the moment you're born. Who's aware of that? Who's aware that, right, there was another plan to try to take you, to try to kill you, to try to steal your life? Who's aware that Jesus rescued you from that plan? But Peter says, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even die with you. I was looking there. What I was trying to find is in Matthew, he says, he says, Lord, even if the others desert you, I won't. Even if everyone else deserts you, I won't. Isn't that amazing? God loves Peter and he loves you. 
He loves you so much. What an amazing picture that God has given us of his love, that he will stand in the gap. And, and actually, Peter is so significant because God had a big plan for Peter, doesn't he? God's got a big plan, and Peter's about to do some amazing things. Go and read the book of Acts on, right? Peter's about to submit himself to the Lord and actually go and do uh, uh, wonderful, mighty works for God. But the Lord's dealing with some things in him because of his love. You know that the Lord does everything out of love. Everything he does is for you. We have to understand that no matter what you're going through, it doesn't make sense. You don't understand and you don't need to try to make sense in your mind. You're telling the Lord, I'm never going to deny you. I'll never leave you. I'll never fail you. And then a situation comes and surprises you. But do you know that Jesus' love never ceases? What's the story? We know just quickly what happens. He says to him, he says, Lord, I'm ready. But he says, verse 34, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow, you will deny three times that you even know me. The Bible tells us that that's exactly what happened. In fact, Simon Peter he says, I swear a curse on me. He said, I'll be cursed. He actually says, cursed is me, or, or what the different translation. He was so adamant that I don't know Jesus on his third denial. He was so adamant, he says, I'll be cursed if I'm lying. The Bible says that just as he denied Jesus the third time, Jesus turned. He had been following Jesus on the beginning of his trial. And the Bible tells us that at that moment, Jesus turned and just looked at him. And the Bible says that he went away weeping bitterly. But do you know today, many of us have denied Jesus. You know how we deny him? It's not necessarily by somebody asking you and you saying, no, I don't know him. You know how we deny him? We just deny him by doing our own thing. We deny him by saying, I know Jesus. I'll never leave Jesus. I'll never leave him. I'm one of the good guys. I'm good. I'm not like the sinners. I'm not a sinner. Do you know Jesus, sometimes he'll allow the situation to press you, to get the truth to come out of you, not to leave you there. Everybody say not to leave you there. Do you know that Jesus didn't stay in the grave? Jesus went to the cross and he was buried. You know, they actually had to bury him. You know why he had to get buried? Why couldn't he just die and be like, surprise, I'm back. But he actually went into the grave to show the completion, the fullness of death. The death and burial finished, complete. But he didn't stay there, did he? And what his, his, the point is that he doesn't leave you. See, when we sin, the Bible tells us clearly in the book of James that, that, we, that God's actually not sending anyone to hell. We decide on our own, with our own desires, I don't want you. And then those desires, they give birth to sin. And then sin over time gives birth to death. And so Jesus, though, loved us so much that Peter 
denies him, literally denies him and says, I'm, uh, curse me if I'm lying. And Jesus, if, he was, if Jesus was human and not God in a human body, then he would be like, then what would we do? We'd say, you know what? The time I needed you most, you curse you say, be cursed, I'm cursed to uh, that much. You were that adamantly in denial of me. What does Jesus do, though? The Bible tells us in the book of John, chapter 21, who loves that chapter? Who loves this moment with Jesus and Peter? He comes to them and he says, verse 2, several of the disciples we're there. Jesus, verse 1, is there. He's there beside the sea. And in verse 2, it says, and the disciples were there. And uh, verse 3, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too. And, and we don't have time, but there's been many sermons preached on, on and maybe this moment, Peter had been a fisherman and thought, that's it. I failed God. I failed him. And there's no hope for me. I'm just going to go back to what I know. And today's message to you is that there is, there is no such thing as death. There is no such thing. You have to understand his love is so great that you were already a sinner. So your sin does not stop Jesus. Come on. It does not stop Jesus from coming to you again and again and again and again and again and again. He, in fact, he appeared to them many times to keep encouraging them. But he says... He says, I'm going fishing. And they said, we'll come too. So they all said, and they went out into the boat, but they caught nothing at night. And at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. And he called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they, did, they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped it off for fishing, and he jumped into the water and headed to shore. He was so excited when he heard it was the Lord that he left. <laughs> oh, man, I love this, because you got the other Christians to say, we had to do all the work. You got the other Christians say, well, yeah, yeah, he was so excited to see him, but we had to row the boat to shore. He was so excited to see his Lord that he just, he said, forget the boat, and jumps in and swims to him. And Jesus sits with them. He says, bring me some fish. And he has a meal with them again, just as he had a meal with them the night before he denied him. The night before Jesus, he said he had a meal. And so Jesus, this is amazing. It's an amazing picture of Jesus's love. He has another meal. He says, you know what, Peter? Why don't we do this again? Why don't we have another meal? We're going to sit again. And I'm going to ask you now again about your commitment to me. He says, Simon, he says in verse 15, Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. He says, then feed my lambs. And Jesus told him, then Jesus told him, verse 16, Jesus repeated this question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. 
And a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time, and he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Then feed my sheep. What's amazing here, he goes then on to tell him that he will, that Peter will stay with him. He goes on to prophesy, you will stay. You're going to finish your journey. You're going to finish your call. It'll even end with a cross for you. You're going to finish what we started here, what I've been working on in you. What's amazing here is there is not one word of condemnation. Imagine us in humanity denying each other that way. Imagine at the moment where we were being arrested and betrayed and we denied each other how we would treat each other at the next meal, right? What are family, family get-togethers famous for? Two things, good family and the family we don't talk to. <laughs> None of the families here. But Jesus isn't like that. Jesus comes to him with love and grace and mercy, just like he had always done. He said, Peter, basically, Peter, listen, I knew you were going to deny me. I already knew it. I already told you. That's why I told you, you're going to go through it, but you're going to repent and you're going to come back to me. And he gives him three chances to erase his denials. Isn't that amazing that he asked him? There's more to this story too. You could really unravel this little John 21 story. There's so much truth here and life. But isn't it amazing that he gave him three chances to unravel his three denials? Cancel, cancel, cancel. And the Lord today is wanting to tell you, it doesn't matter how you've denied him, how you should have served him, what you should have done at this age and should have done at that age, and I could have been a better Christian here, and I wasted all these years, and I wasted that, and I was an addict for this time, and I did this, and I did that, and now I'm here, and now what? And maybe you've even retreated. You still love the Lord. I don't doubt that Peter loved the Lord. He's like, I, you know I love you, but maybe you've retreated just and gone back fishing. Maybe you've kind of, kind of retreated back into what you know. You still love the Lord, but you kind of retreated. And you need to understand that his love is so great, he will not leave you there. He's not going to leave you in a place where, where he doesn't let you have another chance to finish what he started in you and what he called you to be and do on this earth. And he's coming to you again. Today's your moment, like Jesus with Peter on the shore, saying every single time that I asked you to do something and you got hurt, you got broken or whatever the reason and you walked away, you denied me, let's just cancel that this morning. Let's just cancel yesterday right now. This is a new day. The Bible says that there is a brand new day and my mercies are brand new every single morning. And here we are today with a brand new sun shining for you. Let's just wash it away and let's make today a day just as Peter where you will do what I've asked you to do, yes, because you love me, and do it to the fullest, do it to, to the completeness that I called you to, and not a fisherman that loves me, but a fisher of men that loves me. Amen. Amen. What an amazing gospel. Amazing picture. I just want to transition just for a few moments to, right from this, I just want to segue directly into our communion Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. Do we understand what happened 
why he was having, and I just started reading those verses, and I want to go back to that now in Luke 22, what was happening here. In Luke chapter 22, and what I want to do is, just in a moment, I'll have you come up and grab the elements, but I just want to just quickly tell you what was happening. Jesus sat with them to have their Passover meal, and even before Jesus was able to do what he had always been prophesied to do was, would be his own blood for someone like Peter, for someone like me, for someone like you. He sits there with them, and I started doing the research of what they would do at Passover meals, and he tells them, he told them as, as he told Moses, in the future, they're going to ask what this Passover is about, the generations ahead and your children's children, and I want you to sit there and I want you to tell them what happened. So if they were sitting and having Passover, then that's what they would be doing, reflecting on what happened at Passover. And isn't it amazing that Jesus is the sacrificial lamb and he was sitting there with them. They don't even know it. And what they did is they took, and uh, in, in you, if you've seen the movie Moses, you've seen the old version, have you seen the cartoon versions, or you've been in, you've been in church your whole life, you know the story that they took a young lamb but it had to be a pure spotless lamb and they took its blood and the angel of death was going to pass over. You don't realize that, that, that there is judgment coming for, for humanity. It's not because God ever wanted it. It's only our sin that brings on judgment. It's not that God's design. He never wanted it that way. It was just out of rebellion from, from humanity towards God. But death is coming. There is a judgment coming. There is a judgment day. There is a great white throne of judgment. But, but he said, but take the lamb's blood and I want you to paint it on your doorposts. I want you to put the blood on the door. And when the angel of death comes over your house and when he looks at your life, come on, when he looks at your mistakes, when he looks at your issues and he looks at your faults and he looks at your past and he looks at all those things, he's going to be blinded by the blood and pass over your life. Isn't that amazing? And that's exactly what happened in that story. And here's Jesus. And you know what? Jesus then is sitting there as that pure spotless lamb. He is sitting there as that lamb that was slain for us. And that all we have to do is come inside his house. We just have to come into his life his blood over us, and he washes away every single thing. Don't carry any burdens. You know, even as Christians, we carry burdens. We carry faults. We carry mistakes. We carry all the, we carry so much that we were never meant to carry. And I, and I knew that I'd be talking to majority of strong believers here today. So this is not just a message. This is not just a, me, a, a salvation message for the world. This is a message to strong believers that when you get under that house and that blood is over it, that there, that that angel of death has passed over. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. There is no such thing as passing. You need to stop carrying those burdens, stop carrying the faults, and just let it go today. And so, as you come get the communion, I want you to think of that. I want you. The Bible tells us to take communion with the right heart. And the, you know what the right heart is? so simple. It's just, Jesus, I truly want, I can't do it. And we just need to be settled with that. You can't do it. Peter couldn't do it. And when it really came down to it, Peter was going to deny him. And so would you and I have. Peter is the picture of every single person. It's only through the blood of Jesus. But Jesus comes to you again and says, okay, do you love me? 
let's cancel. Do you love me? Cancel. Love me? Cancel. So let's come and let's just grab the elements together and we'll take them together on this Easter.